You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Measuring risks in medicine can be a tricky proposition. Factoring risk into cost-benefit analyses can make the situation even less clear. In many ways, this is where we stand with coronary CT scans. In emergency situations, a scan can be immediately helpful. At other points in the clinical care spectrum, the value of that scan is more difficult to estimate. How can we balance the medical aspects of these tests with the money we spend on them? Our guest today is Dr. Mark Latke, professor of medicine and a professor of health research and policy at Stanford University School of Medicine. Dr. Latke also directs the Stanford Kaiser Cardiovascular Outcomes Research Center. Welcome, Dr. Latke. Thank you. I think we ought to start today with a description of a coronary CT angiogram. Tell us what that test is and why is it causing such a controversy? Well, you know that the coronary angiogram done with a cardiac catheterization has been the reference standard for diagnosis for for years for coronary artery disease, and it takes a picture of the inside of a coronary artery, the lumen, with injection of contrast directly into the artery, and this has demonstrated the, you know, whether there are obstructions, and if so, there are where they are and, and to what degree. Now, one of the main limitations has always been the need for an invasive procedure to do that angiogram, and with the development of CT scanners, there was a thought that you could go ahead and do the same thing non-invasively with a venous injection and then just take a CT scan at the right time. While this worked well for large arteries that didn't move, it doesn't work well at all for the smaller coronary arteries that do move, and they've really needed to develop CT scanners that were fast enough and had high enough resolution to be able to take a picture, freeze a coronary artery in motion and take a picture. So it's only with the most recent generations of CT scanners that this has become technically possible. And so now that the CT scanners have been developed, there's a lot of different ways to measure them. They've talked about 16-slice and now 64-slice CT scanners. It's not so much the slices, but the speed that makes the difference. And now it's feasible to do the anangiogram by a peripheral injection and reconstruct the coronary arteries using computer algorithms and then have a nice picture of the lumen of the coronary artery. There are folks on every side of the scanner that are interested in CTAs. By that, I mean the radiologists who might own a CT scanner or might certainly interpret the CT scans. Cardiologists also have moved into ownership positions for these scanners and in some cases are the interpreting physicians. Patients, I think, can get a handle on their CT scan easier than they can a coronary angiogram. The pictures are so beautiful that they are actually able to appreciate their own anatomy, so to speak. Can you speak to the intersection of all of these interests and then how has science helped guide the selection of these tests? I think that there's several aspects that are issues with the development of CT scanners that now allow us to do coronary angiograms non-invasively. Before, although the invasive angiogram made wonderful pictures too, it was that barrier of doing an invasive procedure that would keep a lot of people from going ahead to get that information. And now, in effect, you know, you've lowered the cost in terms of the risk by doing it non-invasively. So this makes it really possible to do the test in many, many more people. 
The other thing that is of concern is just what you said, the entrepreneurial aspects of the whole CT scanning business where a lot of people now, you can own one of these things and there's a concern that people go out and buy them, they'll spend millions of dollars and then once they have a CT scan in in an office somewhere, that there's going to be enormous pressure to use the CT scan to pay back all the investment. And that might lead to a lot of unnecessary and inappropriate tests. And I think that the concern of a lot of people in the policy world is that this would be greatly overused in terms of the CT scan. So, you know, the issue in in some sense is not how pretty a picture it takes, but who's chosen to have the test done and what happens as a result of the pictures that you do take. This leads in, I think, pretty naturally to a discussion of guidance from various organizations. ACC, American College of Cardiology, is one of those that's issued appropriate use criteria for selection of CT scanning and MRI. Could you speak to how helpful that is or, and also the gaps that exist in the research? I think this is a very fast-moving field, so we're all scrambling to keep up a little bit. And I do think that for the practicing physician that uh, this is an important role of professional societies to help uh, evaluate the evidence that's out there, weigh it, have experts come in and, and say, come up with recommendations for when tests should be used and when they should be ordered and how the results should be used. So I think that this is a very important thing that the ACC has done in establishing some criteria for looking at CT angiography. There's also an expert consensus document that is currently under development on CT angiography that will hopefully be coming out soon that will provide additional information to the practicing clinicians. I think that there's a lot of feeling that you you need to pick the right people in order to do this test. And maybe I should say who I I think is, there's general agreement it's inappropriate to do, which is, is to use this as a screening test somehow in a totally asymptomatic person. I think there's a lot of feeling that that's not an appropriate use of of the technology. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Klatke, professor of medicine and a professor of health research and policy at Stanford University School of Medicine. We're discussing the cost-benefit analysis of CT angiography. Talk to us about what we don't know yet about the benefits of CT scanning. And as you know, in health reform now, the conversation often turns to value. Talk to us about the value proposition of this test. Well, I think that the value proposition for this test is what is the biggest unknown. There's been a feeling in the past that for a lot of diagnostic tests or prognostic tests, All we have to do is show that there is some information in a statistical way. There's some statistical association between the test result and either the final diagnosis or the test result and ultimate outcome. And that's been good enough forever, basically. But now there's more of a feeling as as the technology is proliferating. And CT angiography is not the only such test. I mean, we see this now. There's new biotech information that is coming out for biomarkers that circulate. Every week we're reading about a new biomarker. There's new genetic tests. There are companies that are promoting genetic tests for heart disease and other diseases. And now there's all kinds of new imaging tests that are coming out. And so we have this incredible proliferation of sources of information about patients. And so the question is, well, how do we, how do we evaluate whether this is really a good thing or not? And so the pure 
information or statistical association is a necessary thing. It has to have some information about diagnosis or ultimate prognosis, but there's an increasing move towards saying what we really need to do is show that using this test in some group of patients actually makes a difference. It changes what doctors will do to treat the patients. And as a result of that treatment change, smarter and better treatments, the patients actually do better as a result. And so there's, uh, I think, more interest in saying that these should be the, the standards for evaluating such a new test like CT angiography, not just because it can take a pretty picture, but given that we have that information, are patients being treated in, in a better way? And by a better way, I mean having better outcomes. So the, the thing that we don't know, in short, is whether using a CT angiography test actually improves outcomes for patients. And do we know yet whether the CTA is used in clinical practice as a substitute for another test or as a layer? I'm afraid as a practicing cardiologist, I often am enamored of the pictures that I can get, whether it's with an ultrasound or the CT or an angiogram. And there's a temptation to gather information that may not have necessarily additional incremental value. I I think that's a very, very important question. Historical experience has been that tests tend to be added on to one another and not necessarily to be replaced. I mean, sometimes, you know, we do replace a test completely and it's not done anymore. I think, you know, the head CT, for instance, replaced the uh, pneumoencephalogram, which some of your listeners might remember as a fairly barbaric test, but the only way that anybody could really see what was going on inside the skull until we developed a CT scan. But that's the exception rather than the rule. Usually we're layering tests on to other tests, and there's very many people who may well get a stress test, then get a CT angiogram, then get an invasive angiogram, all three, and not just get a single one of those, those tests. So we're seeing you know, multiple testing, and often we're getting second tests to figure out what the first test meant. So I, I think that there's a lot of concern that, you know, we're just going to be using this as an additional test, not as a replacement test. But that's where we need data. If you look in the literature now for diagnostic studies, and, and I've been on a panels where we've reviewed this information, what we have is, is a tremendous number of small studies that have a couple of hundred patients that just report the correlations between a CT angiogram and an invasive angiogram. Very, very few tests, uh, studies have actually looked at what happens to patients after they get a CTA or whether they get a a CTA versus some other kind of a test. And those are the kind of studies that we really need to do in order to understand what the ultimate effects of getting a CT angiogram are. Well, and speaking of that, I would love to hear your comments about the complementary roles, perhaps, of clinical trials and imaging and the use of registries. I think in general, I see registries as being extremely complementary to trials. I think trials are really a very good way of getting the best answer that we can in a rigorous way comparing use of either a test or a therapy in a group of patients. And the criticism of trials, though, is that they're somewhat artificial and that we often exclude patients from getting into the trials because they have other illnesses or they're too old or there's some other issue about that. And it's not necessarily a random sample of the kind of person who would get this 
test in practice. And that's where the registry comes in handy to show what is being done in practice and, and what the results of that are. So I, I think that we've seen that in other areas of cardiology where we've had clinical trials and then we also have large registries and we can see what's going on. Like with revascularization procedures, there have been clinical trials and then there are large registries such as the American College of Cardiology's registry and various state registries and so on, as well as the Society of Thoracic Surgeons. So those things, I think, are, are wonderfully complementary. What we don't yet have, though, is a registry of CT angiograms. And I know that there's been plenty of discussions about this, and I certainly hope that we develop one soon. But the fact of the matter is that there is no national registry at the present. I, I know that there is one in the state of Michigan that is being sponsored by the Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Dr. Gil Raff has a, is leading this effort to develop a registry of procedures in the state of Michigan. And I think that's a good first step to sort of to see what, what's being done in, in actual practice. Well, it would seem this is a fabulous opportunity for cardiologists and radiologists and their primary care colleagues and referring network to work together around capturing that data and beginning to understand what happens to patients that are just in their normal lives as opposed to those that subset that can make it through the hurdles of participating in a clinical trial. Absolutely. And in fact, I'll, I'll put in a little plug here for the work that we're trying to do uh, between our, in our Stanford-Kaiser Cardiovascular Outcomes Research Center, which is something we've just started with the support of the American Heart Association. And we are planning to do a registry in the Kaiser system here in Northern California to see what happens to patients as a result of, of CT angiograms. And the beauty of this is that we also know what happens to people who got other kinds of imaging tests, and we can see what happened to them over time because of the wonderful records that they keep in this system. I think that's the big challenge to us in a lot of these registries is to not just say, well, what happened at the time of the test or the procedure, but also what happened to that individual over the next couple of years. And those are the most valuable kinds of registries are the ones that are linked to follow-up information. So I think that those could be very helpful. I think that, you know, your question is, was to... Does getting a CTA replace some other test or does it just add to it? That's an empirical question. <laughs> and I think we need some information about whether that happens or not. We've been talking about the cost-benefit calculus of CT angiography with Dr. Mark Latke. Dr. Latke, thank you for being our guest today. My pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.